All right, today's Bible passage comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God, lo- since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. All right. Well, what a huge privilege to be able to be here this morning, to be able to uh, preach and uh, get to know you all. I'd love to have a chat with you after the service and hear a little bit about your story and what God's been doing in your life. so, yeah, so thanks for the invitation for being able to come here and, and, and to preach and uh, hear this awesome passage that God has for us. Um, I was born in August 1993. And so for those of you who were alive and well back then, one of the top songs on the radio at that time was What is Love by Hathaway. You might know the tune. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. I think it's a pretty catchy tune, and I think after all these years, it still actually holds up. But this idea that the question of what is love, I think it's something that universally we humans, we're still grasping after today. If you turn on the radio 100 years ago, 10 years ago, 10 minutes ago, the notions of love are just filled in the songs that we hear. The roller coaster that love can be. What is love? Now, a lot of these songs, when they're talking about love, they're talking about that kind of romantic love. They're not often talking about kind of love between friends or between family. Maybe it's because that kind of love, it's a bit more mundane, monotonous, or boring. They don't have the kind of flashiness or the fire and the passion that romantic love can have. But the thing is, romantic love, it can ebb and flow. It's often only between a very few people. And the kind of love between friends and family, well, that's actually probably probably going to make up a way bigger part of our lives over the years. So it might be for this reason that the Bible has a lot to say about this kind of love. So why 
what does the Apostle John focus on the subject of love in this passage? Well, the book of 1 John was written to a church where there had been church division. A bunch of people in the church uh, had kind of, they were false teachers and deceivers. And so what they were trying to do is that they believed that Jesus wasn't the Messiah and they, de they denied that he actually came in physical form. So these deceivers, they'd actually moved on because they'd failed to convert anyone in the church to their way of thinking. But you can imagine if something like that happened, uh, this, was a, this was a big ordeal and it kind of shaken the whole church up. Many people had found this to be really distressing and, and were feeling pretty insecure in their faith. So this church, it needs some love. It needs to remember what love is. And it needs to remember why they should love one another. And I think as we keep emerging from COVID, we might share some similarities with this church 2,000 years ago. Uh, many of us might be feeling pretty shaken up, pretty knackered, pretty tired. We need some love. We need to remember what love is and why we should love one another. So our big question today is this. What is love? We're going to see two answers to that question, followed by one main implication. So the first answer to what is love is that God is love. God is love. Let's have a look at 1 John 4, verse 7 to 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. Love comes from God. It's just beautiful, isn't it? It's just, it's just wonderful. Uh, you could, I, we could think about that and talk about that all day. You see, God, he's well acquainted with love. He's been loving a long time. Now, I'm not talking here about that love in a romantic sense. Instead, what we're thinking about here is self-giving for the benefit of others. Self-giving for the benefit of others. If there were one thing that primarily characterized God's activity before he created the universe, it would be love. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, eternally loving one another before the foundation of the world. Our God and Trinity, he is eternally bound up in love. So God didn't need to create anything or create the universe or people to be able to love. He's been loving forever and he'll continue to do so. But he didn't keep this love to himself. He extended it to creation. He extended it to us. He created us and he sustains us every moment by giving us the air that we breathe and by keeping our atoms together. Uh, so let's, let's take a deep breath together. So we'll just take a deep breath and then breathe out. So that breath that was actively given to you by God just now. And it's just one of the many, many ways that God shows his love towards you. Since love comes from God, it makes sense that everyone who loves has been born of God. Now, what John's talking about here is not so much about the love between people in a kind of general sense, uh, but rather he's talking about the church that he's writing to. For them, those that love one another show that they've been born again. They're Christians. And conversely, those in the church who are not loving one another, maybe they're not born again. Maybe they're not Christians. It's important to understand that uh, a person can't be in a personal personal relationship with the God of love, yet not want to 
love God's people. It's a contradiction. It's kind of like if, you're, if you've ever been in a sports team where someone is in the team, they might have paid the fees or whatever, but they never ever turn up to practice, might not even turn up to games. just doesn't make sense. Or it might be someone who says that they love their family, they never make, never make any time for them. just doesn't add up. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I find this sort of idea of, of, of loving one another, I can find it pretty scary. Uh, it's great that God is love, but loving is hard. Loving difficult people is, is even harder. And I found the last three years to be really difficult with uh, all the lockdowns, difficult family circumstances. I find in those times that I feel like I need to kind of love myself first. But if I do that, it can become really easy to become complacent and lazy, uh, especially when opportunities arise to love my church family. So I think as I, as I look at this, it's a, it's a helpful challenge and maybe even a rebuke for me. And maybe it is for you too. Am I loving my Christian brothers and sisters? Am I sacrificing some of my finances and opportunities so that gospel work can be done? Am I praying for people who have shared how they've been struggling with something. These are helpful things to think through to make sure that we are living in the light of our God who is love. Our question today is, what is love? We've seen that God is love, and now we're going to see that love is visible. Love is visible. Have a look at verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Being the God who is love, he can't help but show us what love is. Makes me think of another song. I want to know the love want you to show me uh there are times when i think we need to hear people say that they love us um especially back in new zealand the kind of stoic kiwi father sort of i guess maybe from british roots that kind of man never really says that he loves anyone or never says that he loves his family um to do so would be to be shown as weak or maybe too emotional or something like that um so they simply just love through their actions and uh, i'm not sure how much that uh, aligns with maybe the kind of stereotypical Australian father, but there, there might be something similar there. Now, luckily, that kind of stoic, manly figure, uh, that's sort of changing a little bit now, and I think men are becoming a lot more okay with sharing their emotions and saying that they love people, which I think is great. And so saying saying that we love one another is important, but uh, there are other times when we need people to show us that they love us. Want you to show me, show me. That's that's what we need because that might be a little more needed these days. Talk is really cheap. We can say wonderful things, but doing is costly. And what our heavenly father did by showing his love, that was really costly because he's perfect and he's totally different. He can't have sinful people like you and me around him, but he loved us even before the foundation of the world. And so to demonstrate, to show his love, he sent his one and only son, Jesus. And by doing so, it came at an infinite cost to himself. 
that we might live through Jesus. Now, what I mean by infinite cost is that what more could God give than God the Son? Jesus' life was of, in, is of infinite worth and it was given up for you. Jesus lived a perfect life and that meant that he could die on our behalf so that we might be free to draw near to God. And so it's this kind of ultimate sacrifice that Jesus uh, has done for us that it moves us. And that's why movie after movie uh, has some kind of Jesus figure in it, uh, someone who sacrifices themselves for the good of others. You think about Terminator and Terminator 2 or Leonidas from 300, Mufasa from The Lion King. I could keep going on. I don't want to spoil too many movies, but um, I'm sure you can think of other movies that do this too. These movies are often real tearjerkers because they kind of tap into the, the, that selflessness that people show for one another, how much they love those around them and, and what they're willing to sacrifice for them. And that's what God does for us. He doesn't just leave us with a kind of knowledge and an abstract kind of way that he loves us. No, he loves us in a real and tangible way. And his love doesn't actually stop there. Notice how we find out in this passage that his love is extended through us. Have a look at verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God's invisible. We, we can't see him, but we can see his love through his people. Uh, I was 18 when I moved out of home. I was uh, living in Christchurch, but I moved out and went to Blenheim, which is about 400 k's north of Christchurch. That's where I was. And the only way I, that I might be able to find people who would love me uh, like my family did, who I had been living with before, was to, well, in my mind at that time, was to go to church. And that's exactly what happened. A family from a local church there uh, invited me around for lunch after church in the first week. And then they did it again on the second week. And then they did it again on the third week. And then basically every other month after that, maybe three out of four Sundays, I'd be invited around to someone's place for lunch. And for me, that was, that was a real time of life where I was trying to think through Christianity, thinking through owning my faith. And so I needed all the support and love that I could get. And so through the actions of my church family, I, I knew that God loved me. He loved me through his people caring for me. And I think that's what John's talking about when he says in verse 12 that God's love is made complete in us. God goes over and above his act of love uh, when he sacrificed his son. And then he continues to love us through our Christian brothers and sisters. Love is visible. What is love? We've had two answers. Firstly, God is love. Secondly, love is visible. Now we have our main implication, and it's pretty straightforward. Love one another. Love one another. There's a particular love here that's it's different to love between people in general. You see, our love, it's supercharged by God's spirit. Our God, who, who is love, lives inside people who, in verse 15, acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you're a Christian, then you're not alone in your quest to love other Christians. God lives in you. How amazing is that? 
So that's why in verse 16, John says that we know and rely on the love God has for us. God has loved us in his son. He's loved us through his people. And he's loved us by giving us his spirit. So you're not alone. Verse 19 says it so succinctly. We love because he first loved us. And this means, as it says in verse 17, that we don't need to be anxious on judgment day. That's the day when everything will be settled. Every uh, good and wicked deed will be exposed and judged by Jesus. And that sounds pretty scary. Uh, in December, there's a bit of a judgment day coming. Don't worry, I'm not going to say something strange here. Uh, for the HSC students, they're going to get their results back. And for a lot of students, this is there's a lot riding on this. And so they're living in fear of this kind of judgment day that's based on their performance. But we can, look, we can actually look forward to God's judgment day because Jesus has already sat the exam in our place. He did this by his obedient life, death, and resurrection. And so, in a sense, we got top marks. We get 100% because Jesus did. And so we have nothing to fear. So we're called uh, to love one another. It doesn't mean that our actions uh, don't mean anything because Jesus has, has paid the price in our place. No, we're called to love one another. And so Jesus talks about how our love for one another it even has evangelistic implications. So in John 13, verse 34 to 35, it's John 13, verse 34 to 35. Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our love for one, for one another shows the world that we are loved. It shows the world that Jesus is worth serving. He's magnetic and he's, he's worth considering. And so by loving one another, we're also loving those who don't yet know Jesus. And so that might be you this morning. Uh, you might not yet trust Jesus. And our prayer is that uh, you'll see that the Christians here at Halsley Park love one another. And that that points you to the love that God has for you and what it might look like to be part of God's family. So if, if that is you, please chat to me or chat to John or maybe whoever brought you along. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, more from you and a bit more about your story. But it doesn't stop at loving one another. It's not just about love, this passage. John says that we also can't hate each other. Verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. But whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Doesn't make sense, does it? Saying that we, that we love God doesn't line up if we have a hatred towards our Christian brothers and sisters. So maybe if you think for a second, is, is there maybe a Christian that you hate? Is there someone maybe at church or, uh, or another Christian brother or sister that you try and avoid because maybe there's feelings of resentment there? I think in this passage, the idea of hate is maybe less about the idea of a, of a lack of love or, sorry, I think in this passage, the idea of love is, the idea of hate is perhaps more of a lack of love than uh, feeling or wishing ill upon someone. So it's more hatred through omission rather than commission. So maybe uh, in light of this passage, maybe there's a Christian or brother, sister 
that you know that you ought to love in some way. Maybe uh, you could send them a text message or an invitation to catch up. No, for those of you online who have COVID, like might be needing some meals. So it could be a good way to love one another is, is helping out those that can't make church this morning. This passage is a challenge to all of us today to look at ourselves, to think through what it means to, to be a Christian, the call to love, even when it hurts, even when it's costly. Because we serve a God who loves us, even though it cost him everything. So as we finish up, let me ask you, do you know God's love? Do you recognize how much he's done for you? If not, look at the cross. There we're reminded of the lengths God went to show us his love. Look at the love that's been shown to you by your Christian brothers and sisters. Remember that we love because we're already children of God. Children are to imitate their parents. We imitate our God who is love by loving one another. Do you rely on God's love? When you are showing that sacrificial and costly love, maybe you're feeling worn out, feeling pretty knackered. In those times, remember God's love. Rely on God's spirit to refresh you, to strengthen you, to keep on loving people. What might it look like to remember that God loves you? Well, it could be through daily rhythms of prayer and Bible reading. Maybe you can put a habit in of reminding yourself by reminding Christian brothers and sisters that God loves them. Maybe you could uh, listen to the beauty of Christian music. Sometimes how music can kind of really stir the emotions and help us feel what we want to feel, that, that God loves us. But we're going to fail. We're going to stuff up. But through repenting and relying on God's love, we can obey uh, the call in this passage to love one another. So let's focus on what God has done for us, and then our love will flow from that. But if there's one thing to remember from today's passage, remember this. What is love? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. God loves me. God loves you. 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 Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much that you are love. You're the God who doesn't just say this to us. You're the God who's shown it to us. So we ask, Father, as your children, that you would empower us by your spirit to love one another, to care for one another, even when it's really hard, when it's costly, when we're feeling tired and worn out. Help us to rely on you. Help us to love one another for your sake and for Jesus' sake. We pray this in his name. Amen. Okay, I think now it is time for the Q&A. So if we can get Nelly put up the Q questions and I'll invite Ben back up here and we'll address them. <laughs> okay, we've got a couple of questions up on uh, online. Uh, first question is uh, for you, Ben. What if we don't have energy to love hundreds of people at church? Cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, energy. Well, 
Now, I don't know if this person, there are definitely times where loving people can be hard. Sometimes it's, yeah, can feel basically impossible. They might be have chronic fatigue or some yeah. kind of illness or things like that. You might be bedridden or, um, or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you just feel like people aren't, I don't love you, so it's, it can be yeah. hard to, to love people. Now, hundreds of people at church is, is, a, is a big ask, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yes, definitely. But yeah. I definitely, I think in this passage, we're, we're sort of thinking through how can we, how can we love one another? So if, we, if we're loving, I don't know, if we're loving five people, mm-hmm. how can we think through either loving those people more deeply or in yep. more practical ways, yep. or maybe just loving, inviting a few more people into that, might be loving six people, seven people. Mm-hmm. Um, the great thing is the Bible doesn't have you must love 212 people or anything like that that specific number that, those kinds of things that i think um, there are a lot of principles that um that we sort of have in those passages is, is to really challenge us to 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 live in the light of of the god who is love and, mm-hmm. and to be his children to, to show that um so i think just thinking through how can we how can we love people a little bit deeper yep. how can we maybe love a few more people yep. especially people on the fringes yes. because God loves people on the fringes. He loves oddballs and, mm. and strange people and, 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 and difficult people. Yep. So thinking through how can I how can I love people like that in a costly way, I think yep. is something that we're going to be thinking through. Sure. Okay, I hope that answers that. And if you have any follow-up questions, just uh, uh, put them down on the Padlet. Now, the second question is to clarify, does omission of love equals hate? Or is to dislike someone equals hate? Is this black and white? That's a good question. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think in this passage, John is getting at more the omission of love Mm. seems to indicate that maybe we hate someone. Mm. Um, So... That, I think that's John's very, he's very challenging. He, he mm-hmm. often does speak in very black and white terms. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's probably not quite a, as much nuance in, in John's epistle than maybe mm-hmm. he would say if we were chatting to one person kind of thing. So yep. he's sort of often speaking very hard heading because he's, he's trying to challenge us to think through, are you living in light of what you say you believe? Yep. Things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, so is the omission love the same as, I guess, how we would think through hating someone maybe wishing ill upon them or yep, just yep. don't want to be around them mm-hmm. um i think they are different i think both are terrible uh, yeah so yeah but there, i think there are people who we might dislike that are mm-hmm. hard hard to love yep. that's definitely true we don't have to be best friends with everybody that's but right, yeah. um showing them, them jesus often in, in a similar way he will bring these kind of hard-hitting teachings of uh love your neighbor as yourself love your love your enemies so uh we we can we're continuously challenged to think through how can we Mm. how can we step forward now we're not talking here about um cases like of abuse or things like that or times where actually being near someone is dangerous for Mm -hmm. for those kinds of things so Mm -hmm. that i think that might be a separate kind of conversation if 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 that's part of this question perhaps as well but um yeah i think disliking someone if, if there is someone that we just ah, oh, i just don't like them very yeah. much um yeah, yeah thinking through how helping helping us uh thinking through praying to god to yes. ask him to help us to to love them as, as he does and yeah. see those wonderful things that might be interesting ideas or mm. stories that they have um that are worth getting to know and um 
sometimes yeah just an, an act of love can you can you can love someone yep. um but still find them different difficult to like perhaps <laughs> yeah okay all right that's a tough one <laughs> all right now we'll jump on to the next one if we hate someone does that mean we're not a christian that's a great question. Now, I've definitely hated people before. <laughs> I um, think we all do. <laughs> and I think we've, we've probably all at times. Yeah. I think I think more what John is getting at is that if we do hate someone, that's it's so out of line of, of what we're called to as Christians. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I think part of it is he's, he's trying to address that we need to think through. Mm-hmm. If we hate someone, we need to start to repent. We need to yes. ask God to help us. We need to um, think creative ways of how to maybe change our, our stance towards someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's not, uh, yeah, I, I don't think the hatred of someone is disqualifies us. It's, yeah. it's trust in Jesus that saves. And if yeah. we fail to trust Jesus, then we can't be saved. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's always tempting to have, have other things thinking that can come in, especially when we read passages like this, being like, oh, yeah. Does this knock me out of God's kingdom? Mm. Um, no, I think it's, it's it's failure to trust Jesus. And so when we trust Him, mm. and, and and then He continues to shape our hearts and yep. and who we are, um, Jesus then goes on to challenge us to like, okay, if you follow me, mm-hmm. why are you hating your Christian brother and sister? And yep. so it's, it's those challenges of how do how do we think through that and, and address that? Sure, sure. Okay, uh, next question uh, now. Uh, next one. Uh, okay. How do we, how do you love someone when they've done wrong against you or when they've done wrong against a close friend? Mm, that's a really <laughs> yes. good question. And there are certain wrongs that can make that incredibly difficult, especially mm. if there's something criminal that's happened or yes. uh, something very, yeah, very deep where, where the wounds are deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they have wronged you, um, and if you haven't yet kind of addressed that with them, like mm-hmm. a way to love them is to show maybe how they've wronged you or how yeah. they've hurt you mm-hmm. and to help bring them to repentance. I think mm-hmm. uh, is at the end of James, he, he talks about um, talking to fellow Christians or, or, or people who have hurt you and, and trying to see them mm-hmm. uh, one back and, and living in a life of repentance. Yeah. So help. So a way to actually kind of love them is to show them the, the wrong and hurt that they've done and to try and bring about a reconciliation of that relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Because the easy thing to do is just kind of just cut them off and mm. never speak to them again or yep. avoid them, but um, try to think through it. But then if you've gone through a process and, and they're just remaining unrepentant, yep. then um you can love them in ways, things like praying for them, yes. asking God to challenge right. them. Yep. Um, you could even still show acts of love through practical ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but it can be difficult if they if they have done something really yep. wrong. Yep. So you don't want to invite that hurt back in mm-hmm. um, if, if there is unrepentance or it takes a long, people take a long time to change. Yes. Um, so we, we need to be careful um, if, if, if this is like a, a pattern of consistent, Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Most importantly, uh, trusting God and oh, absolutely, ask for yep. His uh, help. Uh, that's the only way. Yeah, I guess. God, God's in the business of changing hearts. Yeah. So yeah, He's <laughs> the right person. asking Him to help. The right thing is, is a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I think we got a couple of more. Uh, is it okay to not love a Christian who isn't loving? Is it okay? Um, okay to not love a christian who isn't loving i think 
Yeah, you think about maybe like a, um, like a, if you're having a child or something like that, a, a newborn baby isn't really doing a whole lot of loving. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but we but we're called to to love to them, love, yeah. and maybe in a similar way, if they're a if they're a immature Christians or young Christians mm-hmm. who are still growing in their and uh, their love of God, yep. uh, it's, it's actually I'd say it's really important to love yep. Christians who aren't loving um, to try and show them that that God is love, mm-hmm. that we are mm-hmm. one of His children, and that we're called to love one another. So mm-hmm. I would say maybe in a sense it's it's even more important to love Christian who isn't loving. Um, yep. Now that that will be hard. That'll be costly. Yeah, that'll be is. tough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, asking God to help. Mm-hmm. chatting yeah. with fellow brothers and uh, christian brothers and sisters to, to help us through such a thing would be uh, i think a good idea yes okay uh next one is can you forgive someone without continuing to love them oh this is good i've been thinking about this a lot this year actually um so forgiveness is now that there probably isn't there's not a whole lot of christian literature about thinking through mm. forgiveness in a christian way yep. um this is this is this must be a little bit spicy. You know, this is probably a little bit more controversial. What I might say is, um, really, God doesn't God doesn't forgive people who are unrepentant. Um, his wrath remains on them, mm-hmm. and so for Christians, uh, forgiving those that have wronged us if they're un, we actually can't really forgive if they're unrepentant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if, if you imagine Steve, if if you I don't know. You knock me over in the in the church. Wait, no. Let's. Uh, I'm trying to think. Let's say you. Let's say you did something, yeah. but um, uh, maybe you said, oh, "Okay, let's say you go to church and I'm stewing about." I'm like, oh, "Stephen, say hi to me." I'm very, very upset about that. Yeah. And I think about it, and I come along the next week, and I say, "Oh, Steve." I forgive you. Uh, when you forgive someone, there is actually there's an act of judgment in that because for, for you, you're yeah. like, oh, I haven't actually done anything wrong. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, didn't yeah. have to say hi to you, mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, forgiveness is, is, is transactional. There's something that happens between two people, mm-hmm. but you can, I think, and what I'd say we're called to as Christians is to have a posture of forgiveness towards somebody who might have wronged us, mm-hmm. ready to forgive them should they repent. So yeah. if they come to us and they're like, look, and, and we've shown them maybe how they've hurt us and they've been mm-hmm. thinking about it and they're like, look, I, I think I've wronged them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, I've realized I'm not even answering, answering the question right. Um, <laughs> but it, we, we can have a posture of, of, of loving someone and being prepared to forgive them should they repent. Yep. Can you forgive someone without continuing to love them? Yes. Yeah. Um, forgive someone without continuing to love them. I think when you forgive someone, would still be, especially a Christian brother or sister would be mm, still mm. called to love them. Yep. Um, there, you, it would be important to be, um, if they've done something mm. uh, quite big, mm. there might be, you might not trust them in, yep. in a similar way, or yep. you might yeah, keep your distance from them in a way. Mm. But I think we can always pray for, for people. Yep. And often when we pray, we get, God helps us see his perspective on things. Once you start praying, you sort of start being like, oh, so really come to understand what God thinks about that person and praying for their welfare, praying for them to, yes. to change. Yeah. Um, if, so you might've forgiven them mm. and in a sense the relationship sort of restored somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'd say be good to continue to love them. If, 
if we can. Because yeah. the Bible says, you know, love your enemy, even like mm. not, not even just someone who's you know or whatever yeah someone even your enemies you are yeah. called to love them so yeah and like you said there's so many different ways of loving someone you know mm. just by you don't have to be best buddies with them but mm. just praying for them and things like that that's just a act of love so yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> but love is definitely um a big thing <laughs> does loving mean you have to like someone too <laughs> mm. i remember someone preaching once they said god doesn't just love you god likes you now there's something <laughs> powerful in that isn't it like yeah. god doesn't just love us out of duty or obligation like uh yes yeah. i have to yeah. kind of thing yeah. but god actually likes us so i think there is something powerful in in being liked um <laughs> so i think loving i would say loving doesn't have to involve liking like someone, someone yeah. but i think striving towards how we can like someone mm. in their quirky ways um <laughs> or there might be particular things they do that just drive us up the wall <laughs> you know they're really difficult um yeah. but i think thinking through yeah how how can we like them some more yeah um, yeah yeah no well, we've got quite a few, few questions this, this week. <laughs> Means that, yeah, there's a lot to people still have uh, in their mind. But I think this might be the last one. Um, can you love someone without the intent of loving to get into heaven? I guess what I'm saying, what I'm questioning is the pure intent of love. How do you decipher from loving for brownie points versus loving BC, God loves us. Because Dickers yeah. love, God loves us. Yeah. Now, I try, I think I understand the question. Um, can you love someone without the intent of loving to get into heaven? Um, so you might have, there might be Christ, uh, non Christians in your life. Um, so uh, people you might not know very well. And you can definitely show acts of kindness and, and love towards them. Um, this passage doesn't deal so much about that kind of love towards non-Christians. It's more mm. about love between Christians and how, um, and then, then Jesus talking about how love mm. between Christians can be evangelistic. Mm. Um, I think being God's representatives on, on earth and, and, and going about doing his work does mean, uh, yeah, loving loving people in practical ways, and sometimes that might mean not necessarily explicitly. I'm loving you, yeah, so that you go to heaven. Mm. But I think praying that would be a good idea. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, what I'm questioning is the pure intent of love. How do you decide from loving for brownie points? Mm. So by brownie points, I don't know if that means maybe getting brownie points with the person or maybe with God. Mm. Um, versus loving because God loves us. I yeah. think our motives are very hard to decipher. Like only, only God really often knows the heart and yeah. it's really easy to deceive, deceive ourselves. Yeah. But I think trying to love in a, in a pure way and mm. um, in that people, you, you do want to see them go to heaven, mm. but we don't, um, you know, we don't, not everything we do needs to be, motivated by them going to heaven i, I think mm, mm, yeah so like i don't know if you have the groceries and you're and you're buying a, a chocolate bar for someone and you're like here's a chocolate bar please trust in jesus kind of kind of <laughs> thing um i don't yeah. think we need to go around doing that mm, but mm, mm. um so there is a sense where i think we can love someone without necessarily that intent of 
loving them into heaven mm. but that's not so much about i think what this passage is talking about yeah yeah there might be other passages that speak more into that yeah, yeah. yeah i think my intake on that question is that uh can they love someone ungenuinely because so that they can get the rewards by going to heaven yeah and yeah. i think it's the same way as how we are called to love god mm. and we're all to uh, love god genuinely not mm. because we want to get into heaven mm. only that's the only reason why you love god mm. but it's genuinely from your heart mm. so i think that's, yeah. that's what they i think you can yeah rewards in heaven is like it is a motivation that yeah. god gives like it's another it's, it's the icing on the cake yeah like, all the exactly. wonderful things going to give us like there is i think um we can use rewards rewards in heaven as a I, I, I'd say as a motive, not the motivator, yeah, but maybe exactly. as a yeah, motivator yeah, yeah. Mm. To, for us to to love one another, yeah. to love sacrificially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if that's the only pure reason, then that's obviously the wrong mm. way of going about yeah. it. Yeah. It's have to be obviously genuine from your heart mm. to mm. love someone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, whoa, there's another one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think this is just. Uh, a statement. I guess we should learn to love our Christian brothers and sisters in this world, since we are going to be with them for eternity. Definitely. Yeah, yeah that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be so much better in new creation because there won't be sin anymore. So yes. uh, you won't have to put up with the sins that I commit, mm-hmm. or or the things that I my, my sins of omission as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it will be it will be easier to love people in, in heaven because they're all sinless, right? So, uh, but yeah, I think. It's important that we that we love now as as we are in, in this difficult world, and we can only do that with God's help. And that's yeah. that's why He gives us well one of the reasons why He gives us the Spirit. Yeah. 